Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. your palms though. There you go. Nice and easy. Glenn's already messing with people in front of him. <laughs> he might get grounded. They've never taken them away yet. <laughs> this morning's passage, uh, it's Palm Sunday. Hosanna. You should be a little bit excited about that. But we have, we're, we're in a real, we're in a pickle this morning. I don't know if you know this. We're in a pickle. Because we're working through the I am's. And about eight or nine weeks ago, we set them all in place, one through seven. And Hosanna is this very exciting celebration. So Palm Sunday is this exciting time. But the I am is in a very different spot this week. And so I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss Palm Sunday in the midst of this. We're in a different spot than we might be. There's not much celebration going on in the passage this morning. In fact, I would say there's zero celebration going on. We're in John chapter 11, 17 through 37. And this story is going to be pretty familiar. Now, we are jumping in the middle of the story. We're jumping right, right in the middle because there's, it's... It goes from 11 to 12, there's 57 verses. We'd spend the next 15 minutes talking about it, about trying to read it. There's this moment that I want, I want you to, re, we're going to read this, I want you to know this, that what happens in our passage today is merely days before Palm Sunday. Merely days. There's a good chance, probably a great chance, that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were involved in Palm Sunday. There's no reason they wouldn't have been a part of this celebration. And what we are talking about this morning, there's good reason to celebrate. So John 11, 17 through 37 says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, 
and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been there with Mary in the house, comforting her, they noticed how quickly she got up and went out, and they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, see, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not who have opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. Oh Lord, we do want to choose to bless your name in spite of what may be going on this morning in our lives. In spite of, Lord, what may be going on around us. Lord, we love you so. We care so for you. And Lord, we know that no matter what, you have our best interest in mind. Lord, what an encouraging moment it is in our life to experience you. Lord, in the midst of the dark and the turmoil and the victory and the humdrum of the day, we can count upon you. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears that we would hear from you this morning. That your words would be spoken in a mighty way. And that my words, Lord, would be behind the scriptures that are spoken this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. May your words be spoken into our ears. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I first told you, and hopefully you noticed the, the music, the music's a little uh, mixed up today too, right? Some Hosanna music and Blessed Be the Name music, if you know much about that song. Uh, there's a distinct uh, Blessed Be the Name in the midst of a lot of pain and struggles and problems. Uh, God is still good in the midst of that night. What's that? Oh. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Kenny, for reminding me. So I didn't want you to not be able to read the Palm Sunday Scripture. I want to know. So feel free to write that down because that's, that's the Scripture that's a normal Palm Sunday Scripture. So when you get a chance this afternoon and you're sitting on the couch doing nothing, I don't want you to miss that. 
That's the Palm Sunday. That's, and it's literally the next chapter from where we are. Um, well, yeah, that, Kenny, that was just, that was for you, Ken. <laughs> What's that? Thank you uh, for the podcast. John 12, 12 through 19. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so here's where we're going to go today. All right, Ken, is that okay? Okay, we're in a very, it's a very different spot uh, than the Palm Sunday uh, feel of the day. Today's passage is really dark. They're four days into a funeral, a seven-day funeral uh, celebration, if you would. People came, their friends, their families, they all came from other places to come and mourn with Mary and Martha. In those days, they actually would hire people to mourn. People to direct the mourning. So there would be uh, women who would be hired to come in and wail. And they would make sure that they kept the wailing going because the, the, the days, in those days they were to wail for a week. And they were to cry and cry out to God. And, and, to, and so they had people who actually were hired to come in and spend time. And that's why when they said Mary left and went to the tomb... And some of the Jews went with her. Probably some of those Jews that went with her were those people who were wailing, who kept the, the, uh, the sound going. And so they would spend a, a week of time together, mourning the loss of their loved one. Probably the opposite of what Palm Sunday would look like in our minds, right? And in the midst of this, Jesus is right on the edge of town. Do you ever have those times when you call somebody and they say, I'll be there, and, and they don't make it in time, and you end up having to do it on your own, or it doesn't work the way you thought it was going to work, or I promise I'll be there, and they still miss? I've done a few of those. I've had a few of those done. I've done a few of those, right? We probably all have. I think this morning's passage, this morning's story, that's where Mary and Martha, are, are, that's what they're feeling. Because right before this passage, Jesus says, don't worry, your brother is not going to die. What will happen will glorify me, will glorify the Lord. And so they had this anticipation in their minds that what, what was going to happen would, obviously, Lazarus wasn't going to die and glorify God. That wasn't going to work. So obviously, Jesus was going to come and heal him like he had healed other people. And in that passage, it even says, he, if this was the real Jesus, he would have healed them, right? He could have healed them. And what happens is they're only two miles out. Well, you see, there was, there was a couple other things going on behind the scenes. The disciples and Jesus had just gotten kicked out, not very much before that. They were chased out of town. And the disciples were like, let's, uh, let's make a detour. Let's not go there. Let's not take our chances. We've already been kicked out not too long ago. Um, we probably shouldn't go back to town. And Jesus said, no, we're going to go back to town. And Mary and Martha's like, you need to get here. But he didn't make it. And that's where our passage starts this morning. He just didn't make it in time. Four days is a long time. When they make it to the tomb, the King James Version said, 
they rolled away the, the stone and he stinketh. That's an interesting line. But four days is a long time. There's not much question to whether this man was dead. They had spent some time struggling with the death of their brother Lazarus. Obviously, from the, the passage, we don't see anything of any long time, long term. Uh, nothing had been going on in Lazarus' life that was causing him other ills. He just came down sick. Whatever he got was uh, pretty quick. Mary and Martha were begging Jesus to come. Come save my brother. This is your friend. This isn't just some guy you walked across or met in the, in the road. This is your friend. And so the gravity of death is setting in to Mary and Martha. And you, and you can catch a little bit of that when they talk to Jesus the very first time they meet him. They say, Martha says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now you can read it as a nice little sentence. Until you've been in that moment where someone in your family has died. And you know the gravity of that. Four days in, there's pain, there's hurt. Anger begins to set in in their lives. Jesus, if you had just been here, he would not have died. Can you hear that? If you wouldn't have been, if you just would have been here, he wouldn't have died. You could have made a difference. But maybe, just maybe, you don't care. Now, that's not what she says, right? She never says, Jesus, you don't care. But I'm thinking that's what she's feeling. If you would have been here, if you cared enough, you would have been here. And my brother wouldn't have died. You could have fixed this problem, but you didn't. And now he died. Never felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand or, t or say anything. I know you felt that way, right? Does Jesus care? Does really Jesus care about me or my situation or what's going on in my life? Does he care? That's what's going on in this passage. That's what Mary and Martha are struggling with. Jesus, do you really care about what happens in my life? If you cared, you would have been there. And now it's too late. Man. This passage is full of three misconceptions, we'll call them. Misconceptions of I am. And the first one is that Jesus doesn't care. Because that's the first, that's the thought in Martha, Martha's pain, Mary's pain in the midst of the story. They've realized he just didn't make it. Did he not care? 
Did he not care about what was going to happen in their life? Did he not care about his friend Lazarus? Did ministry become come before his friend Lazarus' life? That's the question that's being asked. And honestly, no one goes through this life without asking that question to themselves. Do you realize what happened to me? I prayed for this person and nothing changed. I prayed for this situation and it didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out. The song we just sang, Blessed Be the Name, right? Talks about victory and it talks about absolute failure and those things. Those are the words of Job. Blessed be the name no matter what happens. If you know much about Job, you know that his life was turned upside down. He said there was no one more righteous in the world at that time than, the, than Job. It's a tough read when you read about Job. Because he's standing there and in the midst of, a, of one sitting one afternoon, he loses his, his, all his kids. He loses all his wealth. Everything he owns is gone. One fell swoop. Boom! Gone. He loses it all. The only thing he doesn't lose is his wife. And if you read very far, I think he would have liked to lost his wife. Let's be honest. Fair, I mean, fair statement. She tells him to curse God and die. She's hurt too. And she doesn't feel like God cares. Curse God and, ki- and die. I just lost all my kids. I lost everything. That's what's going on in this passage this morning. Mary and Martha are struggling. We know who you are, Jesus, but if you cared, you would have been there. And each and every one of us have been in that moment in in our lives. Those dark moments in our lives when we have had to make a decision. When our feelings were taking us one direction and our faith was taking us in a very different direction. I probably have told this story, but I think it's important. It's important that I tell this story because it's important to remind myself that I have been in these moments just like you, and, and I have these moments in my own life. Back in April in 2013, I uh, had been going to school at Mercyhurst Northeast for a couple of years and had gone through some of the, just did some of the hoops that I needed to do there and make sure I... Uh, I was taking some classes just to make, they wanted to make sure I knew how to take a class or I could pass, I guess is what they're really concerned about. Um, and there was, an open, there was an open house in Buffalo for a seminary. Now I'm two, almost three years into ministry here. God has been faithful. God has been working. Things are looking good in life. God's working. I'm trying to get into like a rhythm and I'm feeling a little more comfortable and I'm going to go to, New- to Buffalo, New York for this open house for a seminary. More, more training, more scriptural Bible training. More training on how to go to the hospital and more training on all, on all those pieces that I didn't feel all that comfortable about or with. 
Happened to be the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. I'll probably never forget those two being tied together. Anyway, I go to this open house. I don't even know where it was. It was in some building. There's a seminary open house. We go and we sit down. There's like five of us. Now, mind you, an open house is where you go to find out information, right? And they try to lure you or sell you on their seminary. They try to sell you into a spot in their, into their program. That's what they're trying to do. Their job on their end of the job is they're trying to get people to fill those spots. On my end, I'm trying to see if I fit or I can get in, right? Essentially try to get in. I go to this open house and I sit down and from the very moment I sit down, I feel uneasy. Uneasy. I just did not feel real good about the whole situation. And I sit there, and one of the struggles as an adult student is I don't have all the school background, so I need a provisional. I don't know if you know it. There's, a, there's this idea that about 5% of the uh, people can get in on a provisional. A provisional means you have enough life experience to make up for the lack of educational experience, if that, if that, makes, if that makes sense for you. So there's a percentage of people who can actually get in uh, on a provisional. Mind you, I had a 4.0 going up. And my GPA was a 4.0 as far as I had gone up until that point. Not a bad deal. I get up there and I feel uneasy. And I talk to the lady who's in charge of enrollment. And I talk to one of the, the entrance uh, professors. And I, as I'm walking, I'm going through there, I get this really bad sense this really bad feeling in my guts. And I'm telling you what I heard. I'm telling, not telling you what was said. I'm telling you what I heard. I heard that we do not want you in our school. That's what I heard. I heard we do not want you in our school. Long story short, I leave that place absolutely crushed. This was my plans. This was my goals. This was where I'm headed. And God, I've been following after you. I gave up my job. I changed uh, careers. I did all these things. Pointed in your direction. I need this school. I go up there, and that's what I hear. We don't want you. And I was crushed. Crushed. I came home broken. Fortunately, nobody got to hear that by my wife, son. Broken. Why? God, if you cared enough, I could have got into that. If there was only 1% provisional, I would have got into there. Like weeks later, I get a phone call. And it's the admissions lady. And, I, and she calls and she says, hey, I'm just calling to catch up with you. I see you got all your paperwork done. The only thing you got to do is submit it. You have it all done. Uh, it doesn't even cost any money. Just hit the click, hit the submit button, and you're good to go. I said, what? She said, yeah, you're good to go. We're, we're fine. We're looking to start in the fall, and um, you're on the top of our list. We want you, and uh, all you have to do is hit submit, and then we'll go from there. After I caught my breath, <laughs> I said, okay, you need to sit down because I need to tell you what's going on. 
I went on to explain to her what had happened that day. I said, I guarantee you that you did not say one word that I was not supposed to be there. But I know for a fact that I am not supposed to be there. And she said, you know, I'll probably never speak to you again in my life. But I sure would like to know where it ends up. I will tell you that in the middle of that, I spent about two months questioning whether God cared and trying to figure that out. In my own life, just like many of you have tried to figure out, where is God when I call on him and he doesn't answer? Where is he? Does he not care about me? I'm here to tell you that he absolutely cares. He absolutely cares. This, this passage that you can't hardly read because it's too small is Matthew 10, 29 through 31. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall on the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very heads on your, very hairs on your head. Some of us have more head than hair. I guess that's what I was thinking. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth many sparrows. I'm here to tell you that God cares this morning. He cares for you. He cares where you're at in life. He cares that you're here this morning. And it's not a coincidence. You're here for a reason. He hasn't forgotten. That's how Mary and Martha felt. He, they, they felt like, ugh, he didn't care. Second thing that, or if, if God cares, then obviously he doesn't understand. If God cares, he didn't understand. He doesn't understand what I need. Jesus says, listen, he's going to rise again. I got you. I got you. He's going to rise again at the end. I get it. That doesn't fix my problem today. That's, her, that's Martha's response, right? I get that you are the son of God. I get that we will rise at the end. But you're not fixing anything today. Obviously, you're misunderstanding what I'm asking for. Because if you care, you would understand. Some of us feel this way. We're at the end of a rope. I don't know how much further I can go. There's a passage in uh, Psalm 13. And it's, it's God's favorite. You know what I'm talking about, right? God's favorite, David. God's favorite. David's, David's in a, ca uh, a cave all alone running for his life. And he pens this psalm. 
says, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me, Lord, and answer me. Give light to my eyes or I'm going to die. My foes will kill me. And they'll be happy about it. That's what he says. David was there. David was at that moment where he could not figure out why God had taken him to that cave all alone. Why was he by himself? There was no one in his life. And I know that some of us feel that way. Like, there is no other spot in my life. No one cares. No one is there. No one has been where I have been. One thing I love about the Psalms, and and I love to read the Psalms for one reason, is that they always, very, very rarely do they not, they pretty much all end with a change of heart. So you see at the beginning David's... uh, fear and struggle of being alone and why God had forgotten him, why God had not been there as he thought he should be. And then he comes to verse uh, 5 and 6. He says, But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices with your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he is good to me. David remembers that God does understand. And that he needs to trust even in the darkest days. That's what's going on in this passage. Martha misses it. She's like, you obviously don't understand what I want. I want my brother alive. And Jesus says, he'll be alive, right? And yet, she's stuck. If Jesus cares and Jesus understands, maybe he just isn't able. Maybe he just doesn't have the power it takes to work in our situation. Maybe God, maybe Jesus isn't big enough to take care of our problem. If he cares and he understands, then what else is left? Obviously, he's not able. So what do we do? We love to put him to the test, don't we? Or bargain. Anybody like to bargain with God? Yeah. Yeah, we like to bargain with God. I'll tell you what, God. If you prove yourself today... I'll follow you tomorrow. <laughs> they are one-sided, that's for sure. If you, if you will do this, God, I'll, I'll follow after you if you do this for me. The problem with that, church, is that it's backwards. See, God has already been working in your life. He has already been working in your life. 
He's already been doing things in and around you. And yet we have to trust. We have to trust that what his plan is, is good enough, that he understands and he's able to work in our own lives. There's a, there's a verse in uh, Jeremiah, and I, lo- I just love this verse. It's 29.11, for we know the plans that God has for us, right? We know that verse pretty. But verse 13 is one of, one of my favorites. It says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me, God says. If you seek me with all your heart. We have some responsibility in this. We can't willy-nilly just go around saying, well, God, if you do your part, I'll do mine. If you start, God, I'll, I'll finish. I'll follow after you if you start. Well, guess what? He already has started in your life. He began a good work in your life. And he'll complete it if you allow him. He began a good work in your life. You are not here by coincidence this morning. You are here because God wants to work a new work in your life. And Ephesians 3 reminds us that he can do so much more than we ask or imagine. So much more in our lives than we ask or imagine. He has already begun a work in your life. We have an opportunity this morning If you have never started a relationship with him, you have an opportunity to start a relationship with him this morning. If you started a relationship but it's just been kind of stagnant, you have an opportunity to to freshen that up. He's already begun a new work. And he wants to complete it. But we have a responsibility. Let's pray. Lord God, we do come to you. We are thankful for your word. Thankful for... Mary and Martha's candor, Lord, in understanding, not understanding who you were and what you would do, but being okay to take it to you. And Lord, I am thankful that your word reminds us how you work in and around us. We're reminded this morning, Lord, that you care so much for us. That you sent your son Jesus as we as we prepare this holy week, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to that cross, to all that pain and struggle and, and death for each one of us. And Lord, we, underst- we know that you understand who we are and that you have what's best for us in mind. And most of all, Lord, we know you're able. You are able to work in and around us and through us if we are willing to allow Lord, as we prepare to sing, I pray that you would open any hearts that need opened up this morning. That anyone who, Lord, who doesn't know who you are would have an opportunity to do that. To come forward and to pray a prayer of forgiveness and begin a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Amen.